Good morning. How you guys doing? Man, I tell you, it, it feels like April. All of the rain, it's kind of warm outside. I was talking to my wife before, uh, uh, before we came this morning, um, and she said it's supposed to drop like 15 degrees uh, by, you know, we actually pack everything up around 1 o'clock. So at 1 o'clock, it's going to be 15 degrees actually cooler than it is now. So it's going to be a little bit crazy. So let me know how the snow goes for us. Um, glad you're here. My name is Chris. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. want to welcome you guys here as well as welcome all those who are joining us online on our internet campus or if you're listening on podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're not quite at the middle point of a series entitled, There's an App for That. And uh, the whole premise of this entire series is simply this, that God is actively involved in the process of growing our faith. That God wants to pump up your faith until it's really, really big. And if you were to look back in time over your life and you were to really pay attention to your past, there would be some things that God had orchestrated, tools that he had used, apps that he had used to draw attention to himself. That God uses certain things to wave his arms to remind us that he is here, that he is who he says he is, and he can do what he says he can do. And God's plan is very, very simple. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to believe him. We talked about this three weeks ago almost now, that we, the, the best type of relationships are characterized by confidence and trust in. We call it faith. Now, I gave you guys some homework the first week, and it was really, really good because uh, it really kind of determined the direction of where we're going to be going in this entire series. And I asked you guys, hey, listen, share with me some of your spiritual highs. Share with me some, some times when your faith was really, really big, and then share with us what God used to grow your faith. And that was really, really interesting because, and this is the first, today is the first day I'm going to share with you how all of this turned out. Because there were some patterns. Here's, here's the thing that we learned this. God works in your life the way he works in my life in a very similar way. That we all may be in different chapters, but we are all living the same story with certain reoccurring themes. There's certain categories, there's certain patterns that God uses, there's certain apps that God uses to grow our faith. Really, really interesting. Uh, for some of you, when you took this survey, you felt like your faith grew when you learned how to pray and read your Bible. When you spoke about a time when you opened up God's Word, and it was as if God's Word was so real to you that Jesus was right there. And it's like he had been reading your email. And you, and, and you read it, and it, was, and, you're, and it was just like, wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. The first thing God uses to grow our faith, we discovered, was reading the Bible. Reading the Bible. Some of you, though, you named names. Some of you named names. You talked about people that God used in your life at significant times, at significant moments, who said just the right thing. People who came alongside you and pointed you back to God. So, yes, God uses reading the Bible. We also learned through this study that you gave us that God uses relationships. He uses relationships. Some of you, you pointed to a time in your life when you volunteered and you showed up. Maybe you went on a mission trip. You served in a children's class. Um, you served at Young Life. 
you served uh, in a certain time and you got outside of your comfort zone. And you didn't think you could do it, but somebody did the big ask and you said yes. And you stepped in there and you were scared and you were nervous, but you realized that God used you in an amazing way. And the third thing that we realize is that God uses serving. God uses serving to grow our faith, to get us outside of our comfort zones so that we, he wants us, that, that, that faith to grow so big. The fourth thing, some of you, uh, you talked about a circumstance that happened, a situation caught you by surprise. But as you point back down the road in your spiritual journey, you could say, you know what, it was at this time. You know, when my mom died, when my brother passed away, when my dad passed away, when I went through that divorce, when I went through the miscarriage, when we went through the infertility, when you went through, many times, God uses life circumstances to be able to direct and to grow our faith and many times point us back to him. And many times those life circumstances are negative. We're going to be talking about that in a few weeks. But for others of you, You spoke of moments when you showed up at a church. You spoke of moments when you went to a camp. You spoke, you went to Young Life. You went to campaigners. You went to a conference like Promise Keepers. You went to a Beth Moore study. And you taught, you heard somebody teach the Bible in a practical way, applicable way, and the light bulb went ding, and it went off. And up to that point, yeah, you may have believed the Bible. You may have even sat in, in sermons and heard the Bible taught. But it was at this one moment that you realized that the Bible was applicable for you, that it was relevant for you. The, five, the fifth thing that God uses to grow our faith here is practical teaching or practical Bible teaching. It's like you understood it and understanding that it moved you to do something. It moved you to do something. And that's what we discovered through this entire study. And some of you, this was the one we're going to be talking about today. Practical Bible teaching. You know, last week we talked about reading your Bible. You know, you got to, you remember the, the R's? You got to have a routine. You got to read it. You got to, yeah, I'm a great teacher, aren't I? Or you got to reflect on it, all right? And you remember the next one? You got to record it, all right? Yeah, that was great. All right, wonderful. Fantastic. I'm going to leave now. Anyway, today, though, we're going to be looking at, you know, all of that Bible knowledge. All of that Bible knowledge is great. But if you don't do something with it, you've wasted your time. You've wasted your time. You see, this is huge. In fact, this is what some of you wrote. Melissa wrote this. I came from a church that really allowed the Spirit of God to minister to his people. God really spoke through my pastor and the teaching. Leslie wrote this, God made my faith grow by going to conferences and listening to God's word where I understood it. Rob wrote, listening to the Bible taught in such a way that it clicked. Melissa wrote this, my first year doing Bible study fellowship, BSF. Michelle said, God made my faith big during a Beth Moore Bible study. That's it. For me, I remember, I remember going to seminary. I went to Dallas Theological Seminary, and one of my professors, Howie Hendricks, Howard Hendricks, 
Dude's still alive. He's like a little bit below 100, all right? And I love how he's such a great Bible teacher. He made it real and applicable for me. I remember listening to him talk about Nehemiah and realizing I got to do something. I, I actually understood it. In fact, here's some of the, the Howieisms I picked up at seminary. You don't make the Bible practical, it's already practical. Bad teachers make the Bible boring and impractical. He, he would always say this, to bore people with the Bible is a sin. But for some reason, that is where most churches are today. We bore people with the Bible. We, we're just kind of satisfied with just going through the motions and covering the content but let me tell you, in the Bible, and especially in the New Testament with Jesus, Jesus was never, ever satisfied by just, okay, let's just go through the content. Here's our big idea today, just in case you, you have to leave early. This is huge. God wants you to do something, not just know something. God wants you to do something, not just to know something. You see, when it comes to growing our faith, Doing, not knowing, makes the difference. For growing our faith, what we do is more significant than what we know. And if I could say it another way, this is maybe a little bit easier to remember. We never grow until we apply what we know. We never grow until we apply what we know. Can we say that out loud? We never grow until we apply what we know. I'll give you an example. My wife and I... We bought a house um, this month, five years ago this month, and it was a foreclosure. Uh, so we got it cheap, right, because that's what we needed. So we got in there, and there are parts of this house. We ended up going right to work and working on it, and we love the house, but there's still parts of it that still need some to-dos. You know what I'm saying? Anybody live with honeydews? I, I know I do, all right? Uh, here's the gig about this. I remember last year, my wife, she says, you know what, I want a, our kitchen is a great kitchen if you lived in the 1980s. It, is fa it looks like the Brady Bunch black, you know, backsplash and all that stuff. Um, and uh, so she says, hey, let's, let's take down the wallpaper and let's paint this. So what we did is we bought some paint. This is it. All right, there's the color. By the way, this is a year old, and it's never been opened. Quick question. What good has this paint done us? None. None. In fact, we wasted 50, 60 bucks, right? Because, let me tell you, it's only when you take paint out of the can and apply it, then it makes the difference. Okay, let's get crazy here. We, you can have all the Bibles in the world. You can have all of them. You can even read the Bible every day. By the way, how, you, how are you guys doing on your Bible reading? How many of y'all, you've read five days this week? Let me see your hands. Good job, y'all. Way to go, all right? Fantastic. That's awesome. If you're not there, that's okay. There's next week, all right? There's cool. But you can read the Bible for five days this, this past week. But if you don't do what's in there, it doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do me any good. 
I mean, how many of you, again, I've grown up in churches. I remember growing up in churches, and um, you grew up in a church service where the minister read God's word, and then they would say these words, and may the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. Anybody ever remember, ever heard a preacher say that? Let me tell you what that means. The preacher is basically saying this, I have no idea how this applies to your life, so good luck. I'm serious. Serious. It's like, you know, I, I don't have a clue. Many churches in America, we believe this lie, that information leads to transformation. And that is a lie. Information never leads to transformation. Application leads to, to transformation. That's huge. Oftentimes, and, and I've heard this, uh, deep. We, we need to go deep. We need to go really deep. All right? Now, let me tell you what, what that usually means. Uh, give us some Greek. Give us some Hebrew, all right, and confuse me so much so I ain't got to do nothing about it, all right? That's usually what that means. You know, when you read Jesus' teaching, he never does exegete a Hebrew word. Well, this word is balach, and it means, and it has this nuance. He doesn't say that. He, he, he does say stuff like this, though. You've heard it said you shouldn't commit adultery? Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. That's like one of the Ten Commandments, right? Yeah, I say. If you even look at a woman with lust in your eye, you've already done it. Jesus, over and over and over, he says, you know what, okay, yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about what to believe, but I'm going to spend a lot of time about what you should to do. Because the goal of Bible teaching isn't just to go deep. The goal of teaching the Bible is for you to do something. Because the Bible is applicable. I believe many Christians are spiritually constipated. Let me explain that, because some of you are like, I mean, think about it. When you're constipated, you've got a lot of backup, right? Most Christians, they got a lot of knowledge up up here, but they've not done anything with it. That's exactly right. They are backed up, right? They need some fiber, just saying. Now, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at four, five verses tops today. Because up to this point, it's just been me speaking. I want you to hear what God's word has to say about this. Because you see all throughout the scripture, the pattern, yes, belief is important, but you've got to do something with your beliefs. And I could have went a lot of different places. I could have went to James 2. Faith without works is dead. I really wanted to go there. I want to go there. But the place I'm going to go with you is what Jesus said. Jesus In Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, we have his longest recorded sermon in the entire Bible. Some of you know what we normally call it. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Why is it called the Sermon on the Mount? Because he spoke it when he was on a mount. Mountain, exactly right. Thanks for coming to One Church. So, in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, Jesus is going to talk a little bit about believe, but he's not going to preach through verse by verse through any books of the Bible. Do you know that Jesus never, ever did that? He never, ever said, okay, let's look at the book of Esther, chapter 1, verse 1. Now chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter you know, 2, verse 2. Chapter, he never did that. He would talk about to do so. And let's look at some of the stuff he talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. You are to have an impact. You are salt. You are light. He says, you know what? He taught about marriage. He taught about divorce. He taught about forgiveness and anxiety and worry. He talked about uh, materialism. He talked about lust and anger and bitterness. Jesus could have blown them away with his knowledge. I mean, he really was God. Yet Jesus taught. 
in a very practical and helpful way is he gave them solutions to their problems so they could plot in their life. Let's look at this. Now, at the end of this sermon that he teaches, very, very practical, he gives a story. In fact, as I'm reading this, some of you, if you grew up in church, you know a song associated with this story. And the rains came down and the floods came up. Anybody ever sing that song? Besides me, I'm out there by myself. All right, cool. Matthew 7, 24. That's all right. Routine, read, reflect. Thank you all, by the way. That was, that was, it was a good confidence boost. All right, uh, Matthew 7, 24 is what it says. Therefore, by the way, anytime you see a therefore, you need to see what it's there for. There you go. Therefore, and he's concluding. This is his conclusion to all of his teaching. He's he's landing the plane here. Therefore, everyone who, what's that next word? Hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Okay, there it is, practice. Not not, not just belief, but hears and does them. I know it's bad English, but it's great theology. Hears and does it. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, there it is. And the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Let's keep on going. Let's read the the, the next verses as well. Verse 26. Um, It says this, But everyone who hears these words of mine, and what? Does not put them into practice, all right, is like a foolish man who built his house on what? Sand. The rain came down, the floods came up, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it what? Fell with a great crash. Okay, let's go back to those first two verses we looked at, verse 24. This is huge. Because what Jesus is saying in this right here, if he, he gives a contrast. He says, okay, I'm going to teach about what is a better building material. You've got two options. You've got rock and you've got sand. I'm going to teach about this. Now, after I've taught why rock is better than sand, you have a choice to make. Your choice is this. You can either build on rock or you can build on sand. Those are your two options. So, again, let's, just, let's pretend this is an architectural class. Jesus is saying, okay, you've got... Two types of building material. You've got a foundation that you have that's solid, and you have a foundation that's not solid. It's sand. Now, you have to choose which one you are going to build on. And look at the promise in verses 24 and 25. He says, if you will listen, that's knowledge, and do it, that's application, something will be different. If you will pay attention, listen, and then act on what you've heard and put it into practice, you will build a foundation that will last through the toughest times. You will endure the storms of life that will come. And just think about this. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want for our children? That you know what? Yeah, things are going to get rough. Storms are going to come, but you are going to stand. You may get some windows blown out. You may get some shutters blown off the house. But your house, your life will still be standing at the end of all of this. That's what we want for us. 
That's what we want for our children. And the only way we can get that is by building on a foundation. And that only comes with practical teaching. You have to apply it. Jesus says, if you want there to be a difference in your life, if you want to have your faith to show up in really practical ways, if you want to see God show up in your world, then you have to, yes, read it. you got to buy the paint can. you got to get yourself a Bible. Uh, yeah, okay, you get into it. But then you have to apply it. You have to start to doing it. And it's only when we start doing stuff that obedience hops in and our lives start changing. But this is not what our American culture believes. I've already shared with you, many of our church, we have this belief that if we just, if we just teach God's word, if we go through Genesis through maps, then you know what, you're going to be good. And let me tell you, that's a great goal. Knowledge does play a part here. But it's like this. What if I told you I own P90X? Some of y'all laughing right now. All right? What if I said I had 100 books of the best books on nutrition there is? And I had a membership to a gymnasium, and I went every day, and I hung out with a personal trainer, and we talked. We chatted. I had DVDs all about how to get fit. And I had, I had insanity, right? And I had all of this stuff. And if you came to me and you, hey, Chris, you know, you're an expert on this because I see you've got all of these books. You've got the DVDs. I mean, you've got your membership. You go regularly. And I'm in the corner eating a Twinkie going, yeah, I really am. I am an expert in this, right? Is that all that stuff doing me any good? The answer, eh, that's the daily double. No, because you can have all of this knowledge, but if you don't do anything with that, it's jacked up. All right, let me tell you another lie that our church, uh, uh, the American church, not just, I'm not saying just our church, but just church in general, is this, we have this idea that if you just attend, if you just show up, if you show up on Sunday, then you can do whatever in the snikes you want all throughout the week, Right? And God, did you see me? I showed up, and ding, 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 I even got extra points because I put a dollar in the offering plate. Right? I mean, did you see what I did, God? I mean, wasn't that awesome? And we say, okay, you know, I went for three months without missing church. God, you've got to bless me. You've got to get me that raise. Uh, By the way, I didn't do anything with what I heard, but I, I went, I showed up, I checked the box. You know, when they said Bueller, I went here, right? I was there. Let me tell you this. As much as I love preaching to rooms that are filled with a bunch of people, only attending church will do you no good. Opening up God's Word, as much as I really wanted you guys to do that, and I'm thankful, if you read God's Word and do nothing with it, it will do you No good, because our big idea, God just doesn't want you to believe something. He doesn't want you just to know something. He wants you to do something with what you've done, because when it comes to growing our faith, doing, not knowing, makes a bigger difference. Now, 24, 25, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had a foundation on the rock. Now, verse 26. But everyone 
who hears these words of mine and what? And does not put them into practice. That's they attend church. They attend mass. They attend confession. They show up for the seminar. They show up for the conference. They go online and listen. They read the book. And that's all they do. They're like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Which means, again, this could be a little bit offensive depending upon what your religious tradition is, but you can go home right now and read it for yourself. Argue with me through this. This is what Jesus is saying. You can have 100% attendance and still be a fool. You can know what the Bible says. You can know what the Bible says about relationships. You can know what the Bible says about finances. You can know what the Bible says about morals. You can know what the Bible says that you should tell the truth. You can know what the Bible says about how to run your business. You can know all about this stuff, but you can still make some really, really bad choices and wreck your life if you just read it and don't apply it. Verses 28 and 29. Jesus closes. He says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. Let me explain this. In that day, in Jesus' day, the teachers of the law were first century, in the first century context, the Pharisees. Here's what they taught. They believed this. Here's some knowledge. Here's some knowledge. Here's some stuff you didn't know before. Here's some six principles out of the book of Isaiah that can change your life. Here are 18 truths that you can get out of Leviticus, dear Jesus. Here are, in fact, they not only had 10 commandments, they, had, they added 600 more. Here is knowledge, 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 because they believed knowledge changed your life and will change your life. And you need to know, just having knowledge will not change your life. It won't. You've got to do something with the knowledge. And here's what Jesus, Jesus came and he said, okay, here's a little bit of what to believe. But let me tell you how this looks like practically. It means you just forgive. It means you go the extra mile. When somebody says, go with me one, you take it two. It means if somebody wants something from you, if, if, if they want your shirt, you give them your coat also. You go the extra mile. It means you don't look again at that, in that direction the second time when she passes by. It means you give generously. Here's what faith looks like in the real world. And i got to be honest with you, this is why here at our church we communicate the way we communicate. We don't preach 18-point sermons and six principles and seven laws that will change your life. We preach one-point sermons, all right? In fact, our big idea today is this. God wants us to do something, not just what? Know something. Let's say that again. God wants us to do something, not just know something. Um, It's my prayer that when you leave here today, you will, you know what? what? What did Chris talk about? Well, It's what he talked about. God wants us to do something, not just know something. That's it. Now, let me tell you, this is huge. We don't give a shotgun of 5.6 principles. We give a rifle shot, a rifle shot of one point, one big idea. 
Because after a person hears a talk, hears a sermon, hears a conference, hears a whatever, listen to this, after 24 hours, they only remember a potential of 10% of what they heard. Did you hear what I just said? No, you didn't, right? Let me say this one more time. If you go tomorrow and you go to a class, all right, maybe a class at Austin P. maybe you're doing a further education on your job, and you listen for an hour, you will only remember potentially up to 10% of what you hear. Now, that's potential. That's like Stephen Hawking, Albert Einstein. you got to have that type of potential. I'm not Hawking or Einstein, right? I'm going to remember about 2 to 3%, and so probably will you. So it's my prayer when you leave here, that you will remember, you know what, God wants us not just to know something, but to do something. And you may not say it exactly how I said it, but you know. Or some of you, if it's easier, and I, gotta be, I struggle more on the big ideas than I do anything else in messages. Because I want to put it in such a way so that you can remember. It'll stick in there. My wife, she sang at CHS pageant last night. And she sang a Katy Perry song. Um, what was it? Uh, I, I was singing it all day yesterday. Um, Where's my wife when I need her? What? Cloud nine. It wasn't cloud nine. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm wide awake. That's what she sang. Okay. Now, she was practicing that yesterday, and I know some of y'all judging my wife about Katy Perry. You can come up and talk to me after that. I'll I'll have a come to Jesus with you. All right. Um, Anyway, but, you know, she... that she practiced that song, I'm wide awake. You know, anybody know that song I'm talking about? Some of you are like, I'm so pious. I don't listen to such smut. Um, whatever. <clears throat> but I mean, I got that song on my head. I couldn't get the song out. All right? I mean, uh, some, you may listen to uh, Carly Rae Jepsen, you know, Call Me Maybe. Right? That is a popular song because it gets in your head and you can't get it out. Anybody ever had a song in your head you couldn't get out? All right? I am wanting to make a big idea so memorable that it's like, I can't get it out of my head. i got to do something. In fact, let me give you the definition of what our big idea, not today's big idea, but just why we teach this way. Big idea means this, to narrow the focus of a passage to one point so that people will, what is it? Crazy, I know, isn't it? You see, my goal is for you not to come to one church and to fill up a bunch of notebooks with all of this stuff and, you know, the Greek words, agape, phileo, and eros, all this stuff. And I was like, oh, do you see how, look at this stuff, it's amazing. And, and, and you shut it and don't do anything with it. Because that does you no good. Let me give you, this is so important. We teach this way in our adult environments, but we also teach this way in every one of our environments. How many of y'all have children? Raise your hands. How many of y'all got Wonderland kids right now? All right, that's, by the way, that's preschool. All right? Preschool. Let me tell you what big idea we're teaching preschoolers today. Jesus will help me. Jesus will help me. You see, some of you, you think, man, you just, you know, you, you, you're not teaching these kids nothing. I mean, how can you teach a baby something? Right? Well, you know what? We do. And you know what? While we're rocking them, we'll say, you know what? Jesus will help me. And as they continue to grow up, we will tell, Jesus will help me. God loves me. Jesus made me. And Jesus wants to be my friend forever. We, I got a a kid, Bing, who was born two weeks before we started this church. 
And I'll tell you, he's been here pretty much every Sunday if he's not been sick. And you know what? We just don't babysit here. We want to teach them something. And we teach them big ideas. Why? Because we believe an adult and a child, a child, child, y'all don't. Don't make me come out there. People. People all learn the same, whether they're two years old or 200 years old. All right? We just don't have that good of memories. So our Wonderland Preschool, Jesus will help me. Let me tell you, in One Way Street, they're learning today determination. Determination. Deciding it's worth it to finish what you started. And they are learning, and they're going through Genesis. They're they're looking at the story of Noah. Really, really cool. So if you've got a kindergarten through fifth grader, we're not babysitting your children. We're teaching them the Bible. That it's, it, it, and we don't make it relevant. It's already relevant. We're, sh- we're saying, you know what? Determination means you're deciding it's worth it to finish it. Finish what you started. How many of y'all, you got teenagers? Folks go to relevant. All right, cool. Relevant. We teach big ideas and relevant. I got this from Joel this past Wednesday. He said this, God not only designed you to desire light, He gave you the light to direct you. You see, we believe so important in this, this principle, that you know what, it's not just about knowing and filling notebooks. you got to to do something. You will never grow until you apply what you know. That's huge. Now again, unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. It does nobody any good. So as I I close this sermon, how do I apply a sermon on application? It's a little bit difficult. I'll be honest, I was wrestling with this one. I guess the biggest thing is this. Number one, if, if you don't go to a church or maybe you, you go to a church and um, they really don't emphasize application, I'd encourage you to find one. If you don't like ours, I, you're not offending me. Um, but find a church that can help you not only believe but do what it believes, or what it says it believes. That's huge. Now, if one church is your church, I would just encourage you. You know what? I've asked everybody, read the Bible. And some of you, you read it five times. How many of y'all read it five days this past week? All right, let me see. Uh, how many of y'all read it four? All right, cool. Three? That's cool. Everybody should keep it on. If you were ahead at five, you read it at three, right? Two? One. You're like, I read the Bible once. That's cool. That's cool. I'm not, I'm not throwing stuff at you. You know what? That one day you read the Bible, what did you do differently? And that's what I'm going to ask you to do. As you read the Bible this week, write down, record Here are some things that I am going to do because of what I read. Because you're never going to grow.